You're listening to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I am your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. On this show, we talk spirituality for the rest of us with a focus on the art of beautifying all facets of your life using heritage, culture, beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style as a means to do so. Welcome back, my friends, for episode six of season three. We are in the heart of this season. Only a handful more episodes to go before we wrap it up. I do hope you've been enjoying it. I know the theme for this season, Slow Down, is really important to so many of you because you write me to tell me, comment on my uh, Instagram posts. I know it's something that we're all working out and trying to bring more of into our lives. It is a very warm and humid July afternoon here in New York. The garden is exploding. The vegetables aren't all ready to actually be picked and eaten aside from the salad, which is usually the first thing to come up, but everything is just days away. I have so many tomatoes on my plants. I'm so excited. I wait all year for summer garden tomatoes, and I'm just going to feast on them when they're ready. The cucumbers are coming up, and I have actually had chamomile for a while, so I keep going back to pick more of that. And of course, lavender, which I've already spoke of and posted about over on Instagram. So it's been a lot of fun and very exciting to watch everything that I started from tiny little seeds, magic seeds, come to bounty and fruition. I'm, I'm very grateful for that and also uh, to see such hard work and dedication pay off. If you're following me over on Instagram, I'm at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. You know that I am heading to Sicily at the end of the summer. I'm going along with my friend Shay Elliott. Of course, Shay was a guest on season two and a powerhouse creator in her own right. Definitely give her a follow over at Shay Elliott and uh, listen to that episode, which I will link to in the show notes below. But uh, we are going to travel the island and make art and make content to share with all of you. And it's really exciting. And I've been spending a lot of time putting all the pieces together, calling people in Sicily, laying out our plan, laying out our route. We certainly have a vision and I really, really can't wait to share it with you guys. Okay, with that said, I want to introduce my guest for today. Her name is Jennifer L. Scott. Jennifer is the New York Times bestselling author of Lessons from Madame Chic, Add Home with Madame Chic, and Polish Your Poise with Madame Chic. Mademoiselle Chic and Connoisseur Kids. She is also the creator of the Daily Connoisseur blog and YouTube channel. Before we jump into the episode here, I just want to remind you all that I am over on Substack and for a little more than five bucks a month, you can join me over there and get more of this content that you're getting through the podcast and on social as well as 
much of the behind the scenes and uh, exclusive footage that from Italy, from our Italy trip, that I will only be sharing on Substack. My publication is called The Tradition of Living Beautifully, and you can find me at Dolores Toronto. I will also link to that below in the show notes. Also, a quick mention, season three sponsor, House of Tokamon, sources non-toxic, old-world style vintage rugs that are not only gorgeous and durable, but authentic. Owner and founder Annabelle Alsup, also soon to be mother of five, Annabelle juggles a lot and she does it really well, is offering Bella Figura listeners 25% off any rug. As you've heard me talk about, the rugs we're bringing in from these big box stores, people are toxic and we're trying little by little, right, to live more natural, less toxic lives. It's really difficult in this day and age to be completely 100% natural. I for sure am not, but I try as much as I can, as I can, to ladle in more of that into my life and into my family's life. And these rugs are totally helping me to do that, and they're gorgeous. They will transform any room you put them in. So go ahead and check out hotrugs.net. That's where these rugs for House of Tokamon are hosted. I will link to that in the show notes. And don't forget to use the code BELLA25 for 25% off any rug. All right, now I'm excited to jump into this episode with Jennifer, where we talk about a different aspect of slowing down. I think that you're really going to enjoy adding this slowdown tactic and tip to your toolbox. And it's really more of a an internal cultivation, something that you don't need to move anywhere or go anywhere to do. It's really within us, a practice that can help us to slow down our reactions, our emotions. So get comfy, grab yourself a cup of coffee, pour yourself a glass of dry farm wine, and I hope you enjoy it. Jennifer, thanks for joining me on Bella Figura. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to our talk. Uh, I didn't want to chat too much before we got started because sometimes I have the habit of doing that. And then there's so much good stuff that I'm not recording because I'm talking to my guests off mic. But um, I did want to just let people know that this idea for this episode came because I I heard you on Homemaker Chic podcast, which my audience knows of Shay and and Angela. Mm -hmm. Most recently, you've been on several times and you guys all started talking about the the whole topic was your emotions, your reactions with your family. And the theme for this season is slow down. And as I was listening on a day that I really needed the message, I thought this is a great topic for this season. So thank you so much for exploring this with me. I think I'm right there with you in this uh, part of life, you know, cause I, mm. that's why I talked about it with them. Cause oftentimes when we're on the show, they're like, what do you want to talk about? And so I'm, you know, I, I think this is on my mind right now. So right. 
Yeah. You talk about what, what's, what's going on right now. I know people think you're talking about this stuff because you've got it figured out or something, but no. it's not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> so before we jump into that, uh, could you just tell me a little bit about your roots and the people that you come from? Well, that's a great question. So I'd like to start um, the episodes with that and let, just let the audience know a little bit about that. Yeah. So I'm a California native, lived here my whole life. Hmm. Um, my parents, uh, my dad's line of the family also has lived in California, um, for a long time. And then my mother is from Panama hmm. and he met her down there. So I have, you know, Central American roots and North American roots. Um, and I have a love of European culture as well. And, you know, my book series, uh, the mm-hmm. Madame Chic series is based on my time living in Paris. And then I married an Englishman. So we spend a lot of time in England as well. We're about ready to go again this summer. So I've got roots very in various parts of the globe. Yeah, it sounds like very mm-hmm. continental. Yeah, it influences a lot of what I do. That makes sense. That, that actually makes a lot of sense now thinking, um, overlooking your work it all kind of comes together in that way. I think when you're exposed to different cultures and the different ways that other countries do things, it, Mm -hmm. it can change, you know, your behavior and how you want to live. Definitely. Let's start by diving into a little bit about your work. You mentioned the Madam Chic series. It's a best-selling series. How did that come about the series of books? Sure. Well, I, I studied abroad my junior year of college and I lived with a French family and I had this incredible experience. I didn't know what anybody else's experience was like studying abroad. I only had my own, but I knew that it was a transformative story, not only for me and my own personal life, but I knew that the world would, I I felt like the story needed to be told. Hmm. I always wanted to be a writer when I was a child. And in my late twenties, I started to explore that again. And I, I wrote a mystery novel, Hmm. nothing to do with Paris fiction, you know, and, um, couldn't get it published. So I was like, okay, interesting. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll write another book. And at this time I was writing a blog and everything. And I started having, uh, I was pregnant with my first child. So I thought, you know what, I don't want to give up my blog, the daily connoisseur, because I, I know that when women become mothers, it can be overwhelming. And then they tend to forget about Mm. their either hobbies or what other, what they have going on because it's too much to do both. So I thought I'm going to write um, 20 blog posts about my time in Paris, because that was a story that has still stuck with me throughout my entire twenties. And I thought I've got to tell this story, you know? So I wrote 20 blog posts and the series became so popular and people were like, I wish you would turn this into a book. I had so many more stories to tell from, you know, just those blog posts. So I wrote the book and, um, the rest, you know, is history, but <laughs> so you, so you wrote the, the books later on in life because that yes. experience was just so profound. It had kind of, it had stayed with you. Yes. I wrote the books when I was 30. Okay. And I, you know, I was staying in Paris when I was 20. So a decade later, wow. but the, the experience stayed with me, um, through my whole twenties, it really influenced everything I did. And I also kept very detailed journals when I was in Paris, which really helped Smart. me with the details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was always a journaler my whole life. So that was very helpful as well. Um, but yes. And 
I experienced that in other manifestations as well. Like when I was a, a senior at, um, in college, I did a one person show based on my experience too. So I've always kind of been telling and retelling the stories. I, I know that feeling where there is a kind of one or two, three narratives that you keep telling. I, I think that so yeah. many writers mm -hmm. and storytellers are really always doing that. There's, mm. you have your themes and uh, I don't know who said it. I don't know if it was like a Hemingway or something like that, but um, that, that, that comes pretty much at childhood in some way. And, you know, when in your youth and then you just spend the rest of your life examining it. So it seems mm -hmm. like we're, we're both kind of similar in that way, but you're always looking for new angles mm -hmm. of it. Right. And then like the yeah. next level and the next phase it grows. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and, you know, we, we also explore it on YouTube as well in video format. Right. So there's just so many different ways uh, to look at the story. Now I, I think this is interesting how successful your, your books and your platform has been because in my humble opinion, when you look at the world uh, and our society in particular, it's, I mean, it's not very chic, refined, poised, at least it's not these days. I mean, it seems to be rapidly de-evolving if I may. So what do you think accounts for the the popularity of this message? I think that many people long for it. Yeah. They do. And especially if you're of a certain age category, like, you know, um, in my age group, we grew up in the eighties and the nineties and experienced um, a lot of beauty. And it was still, there were still traditional aspects to society that were observed during that time. And as we grow up, things get more and more casual. So our children will know a very casual world where, you know, what's tea time or what right. <laughs> they're yeah. not going to know, or, you know, where people are, are wearing flip-flops or what's a coat nice restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not going to be strange to them, you know, sadly, but to us it is because we grew up where, you know, there were certain protocols that were observed. So it's really like one of my missions in life to preserve that and not let it go. And I do think that there's a large population who hungers for that. And I like to talk about living a more formal life on my YouTube channel. In fact, more my video formal. for tomorrow is about this. Yeah. Chapter, I, like I think that. it's chapter 11 in lessons from Madame Chic is called uh, live life as a formal affair. And we mm -hmm. all can benefit from a bit more formality in our lives. So uh, I think you don't hear that message. Like that's not um, at all what you hear now. Can you, can no. you talk a little bit more about that? Why would we want to be more formal in our lives? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a really countercultural message because people are, they think they're looking for comfort and, and they think that formality is not comfort, but it mm. actually, it, it's just about your perspective, you know, but people want comfort casual. They don't want fussiness, you know, so they kind of, go away from that, but there are certain aspects to a formal life that can help you in all aspects of life. Um, number one, dining. You know, I think that the meal time is a sacred time. It is so important and it should be uh, revered like any meal, you know, but we're on the run, like eating sandwiches while we walk out the door and eating our lunch in our car. And, you know, it's, there's, you know, that's just not good for so many reasons, digestion, right? Yes, <laughs> you know, of course. relaxation. I mean, there's just so many things that are wrong with that picture. 
But when you add formality into the mix, you set the table to the best of your ability and get your family to sit down and, and promote conversation. And that is just, is so important. And that's just only one aspect of a formal life um, that, you know, I aim to preserve with my I, work. I think that it's, it's the sounds to me like a similar idea that uh, discipline is actually very liberating. Mm. People have this idea that discipline, it, you know, it's, it like hinders your freedom, but really if you have structure, mm-hmm. kind of the same idea, if you have formality, you know what to expect and right, you know, you know um, what to do and you know, what's coming next and you know what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. And that's way more calming than not having any rules or not having any structure. I mean, in my that's opinion, right. obviously. Oh yes, absolutely. That's why I do the 10 item wardrobe and people think, what is that? You know, that sounds terrible. So restricting, but it's not, it's actually free. Yep. Uh, you know, you have 10 core items that look amazing, that are presentable, that you look great in and you wake up in the morning and you just select one quickly. But before that, before there were those boundaries, I would literally, I can't even believe this was me, but I would spend like an hour deciding what to wear with clothes all over the floor. Just so frustrated. I'd put something on and I still wasn't happy with it. And I was shopping all the time. So it's like, actually the boundaries set you free. Really? So well, so well said. And, and actually interesting timing. I've, I've heard you talk about that before. And I have just been thinking to myself the past couple of weeks, I, I'm calling them looks. I'm like, I need to put together looks. Yeah. I need like a 10, uniform, even <laughs> something. It doesn't have to be the same outfit every day, but mm-hmm. I need to know that this skirt goes with this shirt, with mm-hmm. those shoes and yeah. that dress, because I'm losing my mind. I, I, I am the person you just described that you right. used to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Because especially mothers have so much going on in the morning. It's yeah. overwhelming to sit there and think about what you want to wear. And you hear people like, you know, things about Mark Zuckerberg and why he wears the same thing right. every day or, and, and you see that there is a bit of wisdom behind that, not necessarily wearing the same thing every day, but not wasting mental efforts exactly on trying to right. figure this out, you know? Yes. And then I know a lot of women end up settling for things that they didn't want to wear, or, you know, it's the sweatpants every day and they yep. finally break out of that and they email me help me. <laughs> I don't want this to be me. I don't want, you know, I looked at my yeah. family pictures for the past year and I'm in sweats all the time. That's what they tell me. Right. And right. it's like, okay, you can break out of it. You can wear your best today. Don't worry about it. Just do it. You know, I, lo- I, I really love that. And you just, this conversation just gave me the boost to really buckle down and do it because also what happens is I get, so I get upset because then I'm not wearing exactly what I want and exactly what I no looks good. Mm -hmm. And also I'm like, how I'm always shopping. I feel like, how am I, (laughs) how do I, how do I have nothing to to wear? wear? How is this possible? It's a paradox. It's bizarre and it's exhausting. I don't want to do it anymore. I just, Mm -hmm. you're right. It's the mental energy. Definitely, you know, mom being an entrepreneur, having a business. It's just, you have to pick, like, I can't, I can't spend all my time and mental energy on, on everything anymore. There's not enough of it to go around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So the, so I don't think we mentioned that Madame Chic was actually someone that you lived with in Paris, correct? That yes, was your host she, family. She's a real person. People always think I'm calling myself Madame Chic. But I, I did think that at first until I, <laughs> I think yeah, I everybody does. And I get that because I use the hashtag lessons from Madame Chic. I'm like, wow, that makes me sound so arrogant, but no, I am not <laughs> Madame Chic. <laughs> no, Madame Chic was 
my French host mother. So does she know, does she know that she's the uh, inspiration for all of this? So I don't know, but I've written letters to the family over the years, telling them about the books and they haven't written back, but hmm. that's not unusual because they always had foreign exchange students live with them. And when I was there, they would open up letters and read them. And I didn't see them ever writing back or indicating they that they their... would write back. Right. They're oh, very, that's wild. Yeah. They're very, you know, uh, they're a very old school family and they seem like the type that would be nonplussed either way. <laughs> Funny enough, they just lived how they lived. And um, well, yeah. interesting that such a, such a chance experience has shaped your whole, the rest of your life. Hmm. Yeah. And it, what, I don't think it was chance though, but it, it was, I think it was all meant to be. And mm. also it was a long, it was a long experience. I mean, it was, it was, you know, about six months or so. Oh, an immersive a long ex- stay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an immersive experience or the program. I was there for six months. I was probably lived with them for five, but the, it was an immersive experience Okay. where, you know, they didn't even speak English. Mm. So it was like, boom, I was in the deep end of this <laughs> swimming pool. <laughs> where... That's good. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Sometimes. And, and so do you speak French? Still? I do, but it's especially now it's so rusty, but yeah, yes, I did. And yeah, at the time, I mean, I, I had to, because they didn't understand English at all. None of them. So right. It pushed um, you to, uh, to, to learn and to immerse yourself in it, as you said. So the, the lifestyle in Paris seems to me, I mean, I've actually never been to France, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I would love to go and I hopefully will go one day, but that seems to me from what I know, similar to what you talk about, like the, the lifestyles are similar and there seems to be more formality in France uh, or, or at least um, an adherence to like a rhythm. I think is what I'm going for, mm-hmm. you know, right. Dinner, you, you yeah. actually eat long dinners, even yeah. the children sit at the table. Yeah. You would not go out in your flip-flops and cargo pants. That's right. Am I close? <laughs> well, I don't know what it's like right now, you know, and because, and also I say this, the family I stayed with was very different. Even back then, this was in 2001. So they were very traditional uh, but I think the nice thing about the book is that I compare them to um, a more modern family that I also befriended. And I call her Madame Bohemienne. She was a single mother, two teenage sons, and very different from the family that I lived with. But also they observed a lot of formalities as well, just in a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but they revered the dinner time. They had dinner parties all the time, both of them, like all the time. That sounds lovely. And I feel like we don't do that here in America. I mean, it is no. so rare to be invited to dinner from someone outside of your family, you know? It's true. It's true. Yeah. We go to restaurants because I think people are afraid of cooking for other people. What if they don't like my food or what if they have an allergy or what? That's so stressful. Yeah. But I mean, they had one at least, it was like once a week. I'm not kidding. It's like, it it was either them or Madame Bohemian. And it was just, I was always at dinner parties and they were amazing. It was so, it's such a great way to connect with people. It is. And there's nothing like being in someone's home, like that kind of level of comfort and relaxation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, you can stay for three hours, four hours Mm -hmm. and just like enjoy your time together. Right. Um, I, I don't think it's always been that way. I do see it as like a more recent development. So I know, I mean, my, my parents are Italian immigrants, but 
So they would have been, you know, a little different in their Mm -hmm. ways and traditions, but growing up there constantly people here at the dinner table constantly, Mm -hmm. maybe just the Europe European streak. Yeah. And we, we, you know, I don't, I grew up in California. We, we had dinner parties with my parents' friends, but probably like four times a year, I would say not that often, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, and now it's different. And I was in the eighties, nineties. So now it's very rare. I think so. We need to bring that back. Yeah, I know. I think it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the more information we have, the more intimidating it gets because you want it to look good and perfect and everything. So. Well, and also I just think it's the more, the more isolated we get. I think everyone is just so busy. I think that's a oh, big yeah. part of it. It's just exhausting. Maybe the idea to cook for 10 mm-hmm. people, it, it, you know, like the women I grew up around, that wasn't really like a big deal. What was the big deal mm-hmm. to cook for right. everybody? And mm-hmm. then, oh, you know, so-and-so is going to stop by or can I bring so-and-so? Of course. I mean, I'm already cooking for 10 people. What's right. five more. Mm-hmm. We just, I always, I say this a lot on, on Instagram and stuff in, in my work, you know, just just not a big deal. Just cook, like, just make it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I know. I know, but it is scary. I can see, I, I get it. I did. We had a dinner party recently. We had, how many people did we have over? We had three couples and all their children. So there was like mm. a lot for us. For me, that was a lot after that's like my first one since the pandemic. Right. And I ended up ordering catering because I thought I can't, there were right. with, with everybody and all the kids, it was like 20 people or something. Yeah. That's so, a big party. Yeah. So I, I ordered and I, I did a video on it on YouTube, but I ordered, um, like Mediterranean food and then I had it in, um, those little, uh, what are they called? I can't uh, remember. Those the, heating, they were like very oh, elegant, yeah, the, like heating trays. Yes. And chafing dishes. Chafing dishes. Chafing. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I had them in the chafing dishes. Everything went really well. It was great. I bought a cheesecake. You know what I mean? Lovely. Like you don't have yeah. to make everything yourself. You it's know? true. But having some, this kind of like return to hospitality, you know, uh, not being so afraid to have your door open. People don't really stop by anymore. People used to always stop by. Right. People are afraid to stop by. Yeah. And it's a big, it's just a big hassle to make plans with people. I mean, I don't know if it's like this everywhere in the country. I'm in New York. Everyone's mm-hmm. very New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. Time is, you, you know, very mm-hmm. fast and everyone's just like doing things all the time. And I do miss this just kind of casual gathering and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. not a big fuss and not a lot of planning in terms of your platform. One thing I really get from you is these discussions of grace and poise. I think one of the books I wrote it down here to just, Oh, polish your poise mm-hmm. with Madam chic. Mm-hmm. And I love this idea of grace as a way of slowing down, which I've been thinking more of since I invited you to come on the show. So we can just pivot a little and start talking about that. I have talked with, you know, I think we're on episode six for this season. And so I've talked to all these guests about this subject of slow down and, and everybody has their own take, right. Their own angle. And that's the whole point of doing the season. And so we've talked about slowing down by living in the country, slowing down by cooking, slowing down, connecting with your ancestors as a way of slowing down. And this is a really good one that I haven't touched on yet. And when I remember to be graceful and poised, Mm. it's like I can feel my nervous system Mm. just go down. Mm. 
Oh, yes. Have you experienced that? Yes. And um, I, I'm a firm believer that power comes from tranquility. You have to have an inner peace, inner tranquility. And that is poise right there. It's that you don't need to fill every space with talking or even if you're irritated and this, this can really relate, I think, hopefully to mothers, if your children are fighting or if they're doing something wrong, you know, I am so sensitive <laughs> that if my children are, are fighting and then I start yelling, you know, at them to stop fighting and then we're all, and I, I, it takes me a long time to recover from that. I just, I'm a very quiet person and introverted person. So all of that, it really forced me motherhood to look at myself and also to, um, to realize that poise is power and that it's that slowing down that inner peace that is so important for everybody's health. You know, know, I was thinking this morning, I feel very overwhelmed a lot. It's Mm -hmm. this kind of constant sensation that I have now. Granted, we have a lot going on and the past year uh, has been especially crazy. So I give myself a little leeway with that. Mm-hmm. I, and I am doing a lot. I'm trying to really, I, I left a kind of New York City, Third Avenue job and I'm building this business. I've always wanted to work for myself and doing mm-hmm. more of my creative stuff. So, you know, you really, when you're doing something like that you really have to throw yourself into it. So I, I do have a lot going on and I'm a mom. But I often wonder, okay, I'm either doing too much, not managing well the way I'm doing it, mm-hmm. or it's in my mind. Does that I make think sense? It's probably all three. I think it's all- <laughs> <laughs> not you personally. I'm just saying I can relate General, to that. All of okay. those. Okay. <laughs> so, so, all of those. To- all of them, you know, yeah. I didn't even think about all of them. I'm like, it's got, I'm got to, I got to be one of those, but you're right. No, it's, it's probably a little bit of all a combination of, it. of everything. I, I think number one for me in my life and, and gaining that poise is, was realizing I was doing too much. I had like a thing in 2020 that I think most people also had where I just was so burnt out yeah. and done. And I'm like, why am I trying to do everything myself? Why, mm. why? There's so mm. many things I can outsource or have other people help me with. And I'm trying to hold it all together and do everything myself. So that's, Number one, what was your second one? That's, that's me. Is that you? That's me. Yeah, Yeah, that is me. Uh, So I'm either doing too much or I'm, I'm not doing too much. I just am not managing what I have to do well. Or the last one, which is it's all in my head. Yeah. Well, it's definitely all in our heads as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so I think grace helps with that last one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you, am I just going around kind of with this to-do list spinning in my head all the time and feeling like letting it make me anxious and frenzied, even if it's not Mm -hmm. showing externally, internally Mm -hmm. and poison grace is a way for me to stop doing that. Okay. Don't Mm -hmm. running around like a chicken with its head cut off not very flattering look. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, I, I relate so much. I think probably every busy woman, which we're all busy in different ways can relate to this. And we have this hurry culture. We're always in a rush. It's that, like I was talking about eating your breakfast in your car while you're driving to this, and you know, it's, 
oh, we need to take a deep breath. And so, you know, I like to insert different rituals in my day that remind me to slow down mm. and you have to stop at some point. I mean, I, I have a plan, my planners in my lap, but I have a planner. I write <laughs> down my, it's kind of funny. I know it is funny, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know why I'm clutching to it during this conversation, but you know, I write down every day, a list of the major things I need to do. Mm. And I aim to get those done. I check them off, but there are certain times of the day where, I mean, I can keep going until midnight. Right. I have got to stop. I know. The and I, it, you know, so I stop. Mm-hmm. So I consciously, you know, at two o'clock I'll stop and I'll make a cup of tea, get a nice little dessert and I'll go outside and sit in the garden, let the sun go on my face. I might read a book. I'm doing mm. it. No one's going to stop me. And sometimes I don't want to be interrupted, you know, and you have to really claim that time. I to like just that. do that. Yeah. That type of thing. Or, yeah. um, tell me some yeah. more of your rituals and please sure. don't mind well, sharing them. Yeah. Um, I do, uh, prayer and meditation is a big part of my routine as well. I do that, you know, consciously, um, at least three times a day and I stop, I just sit down and sit still, you know, even right before this, if I have a podcast interview or something, I sit still for about five minutes with my eyes closed and just stop because it's like, you just have got to center yourself. Yeah. You know, just and- that five minutes probably just shifts the whole mm-hmm. next part of what you're about to do. And it's just five right. minutes. Right. Because I used to like at the beginning of my career, I'd go into a podcast and I will, will have just been changing a diaper and like publishing a blog post and do it. And I'll sit down and I'll be like, mm-hmm. and then in my conversation with the person was just, it felt rushed on my end or frazzled, you know, and, and yeah. I would see that like watching it back. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> right. I feel <laughs> I like I did that. that a little bit starting here. And I don't like that no. because I literally was doing what you just said. I was changing. Yeah. A diaper. I well, didn't do a blog post, but I literally came running in. I was a few <laughs> minutes late. I felt terrible. And I'm like, I've just changed his diaper threw him into his crib for a nap. Um, yeah. And if I, it, it's, it's always better to take a deep breath and like recenter yeah. yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a great way to do it. So you're doing like a literal close your eyes meditation. Mm-hmm. Think of nothing mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Not think of nothing, but yeah, meditation it's, it's complicated, but yeah, it's, there's different it, ways yeah. to do it for sure. Yeah. I like to remind people of that, you know, some people think yeah. cooking is a meditation and yeah, or saying you're, you know, saying prayers throughout the day is a form of meditation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you just make kind of like pit stops along your day. To, I to do. Breathe. I do those conscious pit stops, mm-hmm. but also I'm really a firm believer of what I, I write about this in my second book at home with Madame Chic, but meditation and activity is much more powerful than meditation and stillness because mm. it's very easy when I'm, I have a child trying to get in here right now. So <laughs> I couldn't even hear it. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. They're being watched. <laughs> uh, you know, meditate. It's like, cause I have a closet that's, it's like a big closet. So I sometimes go in there, like mm. I'll bolt my door, go Smart. in the closet. And mm-hmm. you know, cause I just, when you're sitting down and suddenly you hear mom, you know, like knocking on <laughs> Then I like going to a I'm rage, trying you know to I mean? meditate. <laughs> I am trying to calm down. <laughs> so anyway, but I'll do that. Oh, but in in that in my book, I talk about how I used to take this meditation class. My husband and I took a meditation class when we lived in Santa Monica. It was like a Qigong meditation. Hmm. It was very interesting. And it was in um it was above a yoga studio and a kitchen. 
And we would go in the evening and it would be like one hour where you'd sit there just to be still. And I would hear the clanging of the pans and the people and it bothered me so much. I said to the teacher, can we do it at another time? Because how am I supposed to concentrate? And like, it's like the teacher was like, oh, you like novice, you know what right, I mean? Like right. here I am. Do I think I'm going to exit my door and be met with like a peaceful meadow? Exactly. No, I'm going yeah. to have you know, children who want things, I've got to clean this up. I've got to do this. It's like, you need to maintain that inner peace while you go about your day. That's so. so well said. Absolutely. Yeah. The teacher was probably like the pens are everything, you know, yeah. that if, when it comes to meditation and, and keeping your calm. Friends to remind you that I do have a shop bellafigurastore.etsy.com, but you can also access it through Instagram by just clicking on the view shop button on my page. I'm offering beautiful old world style photographic prints that you can hang around your home to add a bit of what you value into your home and be surrounded by it. There's also old world style jewelry, vintage inspired jewelry, and vintage items. I will link to that shop in the show notes. And Dry Farm Wines, my favorite wine of choice, continues to be a partner for season three. Dry Farm Wines sources organic, biodynamic, clean, pure wines that will transform your table and your palate. I cannot go out to just any old restaurant anymore and order any old wine on the list because I have been drinking dry farm wines now for so many years. You can get a penny bottle, bottle for just a penny in your first order by using the link dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura. Of course, that link is also in the show notes. And when you get there and you don't see an option that works for you, be sure to hit the chat button They are super responsive and very, very customer service oriented. So they will help you craft whatever it is you're looking for. Are you looking for a mix of rosé and white wine, but you don't see that option offered for you to just click on? Do the chat, send them an email, and they will curate that box for you. You can get shipments once every month, once every three months. You can get one shipment just to try it and then put it on pause. Don't let the static options that are there intimidate you or discourage you. Definitely reach out to them. We have been drinking sparkling rosé and sparkling white wine all summer so far from Dry Farm Wines, and we're loving it. I can open up a bottle and not worry about there being additives, dyes, chemicals, toxins, and refined sugar. None of those things should be in your bottle of wine. And when you're going to the liquor store and just picking up a $9 bottle of wine off the shelf, that, my friends, more likely than not, is what is in your bottle of wine. But not so with the wines that drive farm sources from small family vineyards throughout the world. Again, use the link dryfarmwines.com forward slash Figura linked below in the show notes and you will receive a bottle of these beautiful wines for just a penny in your first order. How can, asking for a friend, how can we <laughs> <laughs> cultivate more of that grace and calm 
and poised throughout our days when we are, Mm -hmm. when we do have a lot of demands on us as, as I think many of us do. And, and I think I'm realizing how much this is an issue for me as we're talking. Mm -hmm. So um, if you could give us some just sense of that cultivation. Sure. Yeah. I love this because this is what I'm working on. I feel like in my forties, this is my, you know, this is my raison d'etre to like figure this out because, Mm. um, I do a series of videos on my channel called how to remain unbothered. Mm. And because we go through life and we become bothered by so many things and you might be bothered by the smallest things that Mm. really shouldn't bother you, you know, or it could be big things that you should be bothered by, but how do we react to them and how do we allow it to affect our health? So um, I have all these tips because, just through my own research because I'm I've got this whole journal right here. This is like my self improvement journal. And so I've written you know all sorts of notes from books I've read or things that came to me you know that helped me. But um, there's a few quotes that I like to live by, and one of them is by uh, a woman called Florence Scovel Shin, and she said, "Your ships come in over a calm sea." And I love that. It's yeah. like your ships represent what you want. And that's going to be different for everybody. But what yeah. do you want? Peace, happiness, right. joy? What do you want? That's right. not going to come in over a turbulent sea. You yourself have got to be calm. And so it's like now, if my kids are fighting or if I'm at a, you know, yesterday I walked into the Apple store. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like so many people in there. And I was oh, like, yes. oh, it was like hundred degrees. Anyway, you, I can't get what I want if I am not calm Mm. and it just applies to every situation you know and whether you're in a a disagreement with someone you know it's just it's just you have got to have a calm sea about yourself and so that's one that has really helped me yeah I heard you say that one I heard you say that one in the podcast the homemaker chic podcast and I wrote I came home and wrote it down yeah and I've been repeating it to myself Mm -hmm. when I remember (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is also the problem when you're trying to be calm and slow down yeah. and be present is remembering. Well, I really recommend that people have a journal. And when you hear something like this, if you're listening to a podcast or I, I mean, that's what I'll, I'll be listening to a podcast or an audiobook, or I'll hear something or read something. I stop everything. Mm. I get my journal pen and I write it down. Right. And then in your quiet moments, maybe even before you sit down and you have quiet time, read through like one or two pages to, to remind yourself, oh yeah, I wrote that, you know? Um, and that's how you can remember and keep practicing it. That's a good tip. Yeah. So when I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking, okay, so easier said than done, right? Stay calm, be calm, don't get frazzled. And it sounds to me as you're talking, this is a very much a practice in your life. You Mm, are consciously disciplined in making this part of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think perhaps with stuff like this, there's no other way to do it. Is that correct? I mean, I wouldn't know. You have got to practice it. It doesn't come naturally to humans, I don't think. Um, Do you think think it doesn't come naturally? Like, You think this is something that we just kind of, it's like a human burden? or a modern burden. And- I think it's a modern burden. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe, you know, it might come for different people at different times. Like I was just on, I was speaking to my friend Tori Oglesby the other day, and we were talking about how 
Um, she had children in her early 20s and I didn't have my first child till I was 30. So I spent my 20s like doing whatever I wanted, you know, and uh-huh. I know the feeling. <laughs> like yep. Totally charmed life. Yep. And then, you know, you have children, you're like, oh, I yeah. can't do whatever I want anymore. And so right. then you might find yourself then struggling with that, um, with that transition. And it's kind of harder the later you wait to have children because you know what it's like to have your freedom. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're preaching to the choir. You know? So so it's like even something yes. like this, where you're literally doing work right now, but you, you have to fight for that time. Mm-hmm. Whereas before yes. I was like, what's the problem? So right. I think for, for a lot of people, maybe like when everything's going right, that's that meditation and stillness, everything's fine. You don't need to work on it, but suddenly you have family or you have a job or something that is giving you a pressure. And then that forces you to work on yourself. Mm, yes. Well so. said. I, I think that it's underestimated in our society, how much people getting married later and starting mm-hmm. families later is possibly mm-hmm. affecting the success rate of marriages because mm-hmm. I did get married much later on in life and had a child much later on, uh, mm-hmm. none of which I recommend. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so, <laughs> I'm so grateful. Uh, I'm so grateful that I have my family, but it's difficult. I spent many decades Mm -hmm. folks by myself, not Mm -hmm. answering to a husband, a partner, my child. It's not easy for me. It's a difficult transition. I would agree with you there, but you know, I, I think there's pros and cons. You know, because then I, I speak to people who had families and, you know, had children, got married when they were like 21 or 22 and had children, there's pros and cons to both. I think, cause then they look at me and they're like, wow, you got to do all that in your twenties because, you know, I had my twenties were so fun and I traveled and did all this, you know, exploration and stuff. And so I might not have done that if I was married and had children then, you know, so it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a pro and con. It, I think that people who get married later in life should just be aware <laughs> of what's coming and agreed. just be okay, surrender, you know? And I think it's good to talk about because it's not something I really thought about until I saw it causing problems, but I am not trained. I'm actually trained the opposite. I always had tons of time to myself. I always could do what I wanted. And now it's really not the case. And mm-hmm. I'm love my family mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trade them, but I think it adds to this, um, overwhelm and stress that I'm yeah. experiencing. Oh mm-hmm. yes. I mean, I think, and you're not alone. I, I just think it's, it's the plight of women because we, we do everything, you know, and right. we do, and, and it's, it's hard. And that's where like asking help comes in, asking for help and, and not losing yourself. I am so passionate. I feel like my other message for the forties is, is really helping women not lose themselves in marriage and motherhood because Mm -hmm. that, because a lot, it leads to depression in a lot of women and a feeling of like, am I a person at all? Or am I just this like machine that Mm. does things for other people? You know, that's interesting because I think that's one thing I don't have run the risk of (laughs) because I'm so far, you know, like on the opposite side of that spectrum Yeah, that I, all right. I have to sometimes dial myself back and remember, Hey, you know, this, this two-year-old's bothering me, but 
you made him and yeah. you wanted him. And you love he's him. Your responsibility, he's right? my responsibility. He's your responsibility. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, not that I neglect him in any right, way, shape course. or form, but you know what I'm saying? That there's just yeah. that trigger response of, can I just get a minute to myself? You know, can I just yeah. get, and it's yes. That's so normal though. I mean, I, I relate to that so much. Do you? Okay. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder, <laughs> I worry, you know, that my kids know, and it's all personality type too, but I, people always ask me, why did you have a big family? I don't know. (laughs) I think think that they were all just meant to be here because Mm. I am a type of person. I like being alone, like Mm. genuinely, like I love being alone. And my whole family knows this. It's a huge joke. I just, I could just be alone and be happy. I was just thinking, go ahead, please continue. No, 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 go ahead. I was was just thinking last, okay. I was just thinking last night because it was, I would think it was late and I was tired and I, you know, again, like hadn't done, gotten done as much as I wanted to. And I was thinking, how are people bored ever? Like, I don't understand no. boredom. No. no. And I think that's partly because I don't, I love, I like being alone. So oh, yeah. I, you know what I mean? I never feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to be distracted or there's nothing to do. I would love to feel that for five minutes. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I, you know, even, uh, we have a big flight coming up. It's like an 11 hour flight. And I'm like, okay. What are you going to do on the plane? Nothing. Mm. I mean, I have a book, but I probably won't even read it. I won't watch anything. I like just sitting there yeah. and thinking I'm just I, like, <laughs> I'm totally and I like the quiet. We just took a yeah. ride. My, my son and I, and I just didn't put the radio on or anything. I'm just like, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So going back to poise, please. Poise, I think gets this rap of being, well, it's, it is how you carry yourself, right? How you hold yourself, your posture and all that. But can we talk just more about how that poise can help us, uh, stop or stop us from reacting Mm. to these stressors and then tipping the, the balance, like tipping the energy in our homes, especially into the negative. Mm. Yeah, totally guilty a, of that. Yeah. I, um, reaction is a big thing. Mm. How you react is, is everything. And so my advice is always, and this is what we talk about the, in the unbothered videos is pause. When you are angry, mm. pause, change the scenery. I go outside. If I'm really mm. mad, I go literally go outside and I'm just in a different atmosphere, different world. Um, pause. It's that, you know, knee jerk reaction of anger that for me sends me into, you know, it's like, if my children are fighting, they could just be so into like just screaming at each other. And I get so worked up. I feel traumatized for like an hour. They've moved on, Oh gosh, <laughs> you know, yes, I'm so I know. sensitive. I know so I'm the same pause. Um, I think, I think in my, one of the videos I said, be too big to care. Now that like doesn't that. mean you don't care about things you know, but it just means that you're not going to involve yourself in petty reactions to things and, uh, just be magnanimous, be too big to care and have that kind of like aura about you, which is really important. And people mess with you less when you have this. I know this for a fact. I can completely see that Mm -hmm. because if they think you're going to give a reaction, Cause sometimes that's what people want. Even children might want it, you know, like mm. a reaction, but, or people in the outside world, someone who's giving you problems there, they want you to react. They want you to be upset. And it's like, when you don't ever give them that they move on to somebody else, you know? Yes. Cause you're, you're 
too big to care. Yeah. And genuinely too big. Not like I'm too big to, you know, for a while, right, right. Make it so you make it like, I'm just yeah. too big to care, but I care so much. You know? <laughs> it's not like that. It's just like, you know, and I think being like, for me being on YouTube for over 10 years has really helped with that. I bet. Where yeah. in the beginning, you know, I would be met with like a mean comment or some strange email or, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. whatever I get. And now it's just like, that stuff hasn't stopped. I was going to ask, has it stopped or you just, your reaction is, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's too big to care. I love it. You know, and you, why? Because you've got to, you need to like live, uh, you know, on the heights, you need to be elevated with your thinking and your everything. And you can't be groveling on the ground with like all of this stuff. So it's it's like, so true. Yeah. I love this message. I think that you know, growing up, we were really raised a kind of old fashioned way. And, and one thing that was really big was to have dignity. Mm, Yes. And I, so I think your message resonates with me so much because that's kind of an underlying theme of my life is so Mm -hmm. dignity was really important and character, your Mm -hmm. character and uh, having this kind of respect for yourself and then for the world around you and the people around you. And it, it really is something that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to, um, anymore in our society, dignity, character. I talk about these things a lot. We don't really seem to care whether or not we're dignified. Oh my gosh. There's like on social media with celebrities, for example, I'm always like, don't they care that this is embarrassing? Are they not embarrassed? You Aren't know? you embarrassed? Just right. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Who was the comedian? Sebastian, Sebastian. Miniscalco. He's right. He's right yeah. on. Aren't you embarrassed? So, I'm so embarrassed for them, but they don't, you know, yeah, mm. just that dignity, that air of mystery that people need to have, um, that we don't need to share everything with everybody. We don't need to immediately go on social media and react to things and, if something happens in our life, that's dramatic. We don't need to immediately go on there. It's like, why are we doing this? It's for attention. Mm, and it, right. well, I see right through it. When I see people do that, I'm thinking, okay, they need attention. Mm, you know, what's yes. missing in their life that they need all this attention. And it's, Correct. I mean, it's probably bad for my business. That I don't post that much on Instagram or whatever, but I, it's good for my mental health. Mm. Or I should just hire someone to post for me, but I don't, <laughs> I post, I post everything myself. <laughs> you know, and it's because I don't know if something happens, like I had, you know, someone who I love very much is in the hospital this week. And so I've been in the hospital the past three days and yeah, no, he's going to be fine. But it's, um, I didn't, I'm not, you're the only person I've told like outside of my family, you know what I mean? I'm not on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Like showing a picture of the, like, I I don't get that. <laughs> what is that about? You know, we might just be, I don't know if we're another generation that is just, this isn't our mentality, but I do think when you're a creator as you and I are, and that's kind of your business, it's, it's a fine line to walk. And also, I don't know, you know, you've been doing this a lot longer than me at, at, at a certain level. So I still am figuring out what is, what I'm comfortable with. But I wonder if being more established, it's easier for you to not post as much. And I, I don't really, I mean, I try to post at least every day, but I mean, I know lots of people who post five times a day. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I, I I probably post like on Instagram, I'll, I'll post maybe like 
three times a week, sometimes just twice. Usually if I have a YouTube video, I'll like right. tell people about it on Instagram, but I don't really post that much. I don't think it's good. Like, I honestly think I could have a way bigger following <laughs> if I actually posted or okay. engaged. And right. I constantly have all these like business emails from people saying, I can help you with this. I'm going to <laughs> look, look what you're doing wrong. And I'm like, I do realize that I'm doing this wrong. But, but you're holding, but you're time, holding on to it instead of, yeah, instead of delegating. <laughs> and I'm hoping, you know, also that people, cause sometimes when you see someone too much, it's just, mm. you get sick of them. I don't want people to get sick of me. Oh yeah. Jennifer exists. Oh, she posted again. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, it's just, people are consuming so quickly too. It's just, it's just, it's in, it's out mm-hmm. and it, it's really tough. It's tough to know. It's tough to know like what works what's going to work, you know, business-wise, but also like you said, like your mental health. Yeah. I mean, I think if I posted anymore, I would have to hire someone else to do it for me because it's really stressed by posting out, posting on Instagram really stresses me out. I don't know why. Really? I need to like examine that. Yeah. I mean, Mm. I feel like everyone has one platform that they Mm. love and that Mm. they understand. And that is YouTube for me. Okay. Instagram is hard for me. I don't know why I need to look into that. Instagram's my, that's like my comfortable place. Okay. I'm, I'm uncomfortable on Facebook and my, yeah, my nieces and nephews (laughs) this weekend just got me on TikTok. Finally, they've been wearing me down (laughs) Go on TikTok. So I just went on TikTok. I finally did it. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm throwing all my energy into this. There's a lot of people on TikTok. Yeah. I should be on TikTok, but I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do TikTok, but yeah. But like for the sake of, you know, like my family and business, I'm just going to, maybe I'll give it yeah. a shot, but I'm uncomfortable. Right. I'm uncomfortable, but I guess I'm going to yeah. try it anyway. I know. And I don't know if this is also <laughs> new to everybody. It's like, if we're uncomfortable, what should we do about that? Does that mean we need help? Do we need to right. hire someone or do we need to like, or do you not do in? it? Like, yeah. Do, do you not do it? Yeah. Right. That's a good, I don't know. I, I, I like, you know, there's also this message always, which is, um, be, be afraid or like, get out of, be afraid, but do it anyway, get out of your comfort zone. So, um, right. Like me with TikTok, am I just sticking in my comfort zone by not doing it? I know. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that one. I don't know, but I I feel like I'm so out of my comfort zone all the time that I'm like, I don't need any more out of my comfort zone. That's good. That's a good way to live. But you know, but it brings it back to this idea of dignity. I'm like, is TikTok dignified? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I think it can Folks. be. I don't know. <laughs> I think Depends. that's, I think that's the problem for someone like me. Is this dignified? Mm-hmm. You know, and then like my nieces and nephews said to me, like, you just keep doing what you do, though. Just do you. On and TikTok. On yeah. TikTok. You know, you're already making these yeah. videos and reels for Instagram. Just put them on TikTok. So yeah. I don't know, it's a new frontier. I don't know how we got on yeah. TikTok, but it's, it's not maybe just to say it's not easy to you kind of be poised and dignified <laughs> in this world and, and the way, and in the way it's run and it's not valued. And I think that's also difficult when something isn't kind of mm-hmm. valued by the society, right? Like you, you said before, this is kind of a countercultural mm-hmm. idea. It's true. And I think, you know, I look at what's popular and sometimes it makes me sad, but you know, there's a community for everything and I love my community, like on my YouTube channel and everything. And the, the people who watch it all tend to have the same view on beauty and the importance of that in life. So it's nice to meet those people It's a smaller audience, but it's a high quality audience for sure. 
I like that. I mean, that's definitely the, where I'm com- coming from as well. And I think that the people who find their way to me, that that's what they feel like is missing. You know, they want more beauty in their lives, more conversations that are below the surface mm. that are teaching them to, or reminding them, inspiring them like to stay connected, right. To their ancestors and their culture and the land. Mm. It's just, it's so easy to lose all that mm. yeah. today. Mm-hmm. One quote that you also said in the Homemaker Chic podcast that I wrote down, I think it's from the Bible, but I can't remember if it was Proverbs or not. Do you already know what I'm going to say? Uh, which one? <laughs> it was um, about the ants. No, no, it was. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's I another good remember one. <laughs> that one. Okay. You'll have to tell me that one. Uh, this was, oh my gosh, give me a second. This was, um, Oh, I could, I I could never none be on a game show. Thank you. None of, none of these things move me. No, that was, um... it's like the game show pressure. I'm like, now I'm on the spot and I can't think of it. My brain's freezing. Okay. Yes. No, that wasn't Proverbs. Paul said that in, okay. Uh, now I can't remember what it was, but now you're anyway. on, you're on the game show. Hot yeah. Seat. Yeah. Yes, he none, said, of, none these of these things, things move, me. move me. So that's one of my favorites. I can't believe I forgot that, but my friend, I have a friend who we, this is like our inside joke, but that's another thing. As soon as, you know, things go wrong, I immediately say in my head, none of these things move me. I am not moved by this. I am not moved by appearances, you know, because appearances can change. None of these things move me. And sometimes, yeah, I may seem like I'm crazy, <laughs> but that's a, you know, even my kids joke, I'm like, none of these things move me <laughs> and you fake it till you make it, but you but it's true and it helps bring you into reality. Like what needs to move you? You don't need to be moved by so many of the things that bother us, you know, and, and it, yeah. Your way of doing that is just this practice. You got to practice it every single day. None of these things move me. And really conversations like this do help because you're digging into, first of all, knowing that you're not alone. We're all kind of struggling with this. Mm-hmm. And bringing, I feel like it's bringing it up to the surface for me. Like I've been thinking so much about this because like you, I am very sensitive as well. And especially when I snap at my son, mm-hmm. I just want to jump off I the know. nearest cliff I can find. I know. I know. <laughs> I felt, yeah, I know. I always feel bad too. It's an awful feeling. And he, he's yeah. just like the best little boy in the world. And then you snap and you're like, I'm his whole world. I know it's an <laughs> I just feeling, snapped but at children him. are so forgiving. And the reason why, you know, it's like, you're helping each other because how, and he's two. Yes. So by the time when he's like 13, you're going to be such a pro at none of these things move me. You're going to oh, be very like calm that. and like a very good influence. Like, you know, I've really grown because I have four children. And so I was really hard on my two girls. I think, I mean, I was mm. like, because it was again, me and tr- coming from my twenties and then being like, um, really struggling with my, uh, temper and just expecting things to be a certain way. And then they weren't, you know, just, that Mm. was a struggle for me. Mm. So, um, but now I have four kids and like my youngest son, who is three, this happened two nights ago. It was, it was such a long day. It was, it was July 4th actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I had been in the hospital on and off and, Mm. um, you know, visiting and then, we came home. I was just feeling so tired. My husband took the kids to see fireworks, but I didn't go because I was just like, I can't, I'm just, uh, it's been mm-hmm. such a long day, you know? Anyway, they get back. 
I'm putting the boys to bed and it's 10 o'clock at night and my three-year-old asked for a bottle of water. So I give him the bottle of water. He drinks it, but he's still like hyper from the right. fireworks. He drinks it and then he goes boom like that. And he just drops the water bottle and Ugh. it, the whole bed got wet. And I was like, oh, now I have to change the sheets and the at 10 o'clock at night. Like I wanted to cry. Yes. And the old me would have been like, why did you do that? Ah, you know? Yes. But, yes. but I was very proud of myself. He looked at me, he goes, sorry. And I was uh-huh. like, that's okay. I'm like, it's, it's okay. We know that we can't flip bottles when the caps aren't on, you know, yes. <laughs> I was like, that's okay. And then we both changed the sheets together. And yes, it was annoying. And I just wanted to be in bed, but it was like, immediately, this doesn't move me. I'm okay. Like I, and, and my reaction is better for all of us. Oh, hundred you know, percent. I don't need to shame him before bed for doing something like he's a child, you know, he'll never do that again. Like he learned his lesson, you know? Right. And I felt if I would have like yelled at him, I would have felt terrible right before I went to bed and it's just a horrible cycle. So it's yeah. like that practice. Right. And you would have probably had trouble falling asleep for a little bit. Yeah. And then it would have just dominoed. You're absolutely right. It's yeah. so important to just, just kind of like give that, um, that pause. Yeah. In between our reactions. And I I'm, I'm not always very good at it. I mean, I'm better at it when I'm not under stress, but that's like, (laughs) that's the whole point. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to enter that state of being (laughs) right. No, but you really have to. So it, it really is those times when you feel like you're being pulled in so many different directions. I think that's what it triggers for me. When I, when I feel like my husband's asking me for something, the baby's asking me for something Then maybe my mom will call me and she needs something me. And the whole time I'm making dinner, Right. And I'm like, okay, how many yeah, of one person? Me did, yeah, I I, one yeah. person. And so then yeah. I, then I, that's when I'll snap. Someone mm-hmm. pushes me too much. I know. I relate. Okay. That makes me feel yeah. good. Not alone. Yeah. And, and it makes me feel good knowing that I can possibly work on reversing this trend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got tons of time. <laughs> Yeah. And, I and want, you're aware of it now, which is good, you know? Yeah, that's true. Good point. Awareness is a, is a huge part. And I want my, I want my son to, you know, I, I want to mirror that behavior for him. I want him to have a calmer life than I've had because of my yes. reactions and emotions. Yes. And it's, we, when we think about our children and how we want them to react to situations in life, we don't want them to be hot headed, losing their temper, getting no. angry, traumatized. Like we want them to remain calm in all circumstances. Um, and there's power in that they'll go far with that attitude, you know, so we need to model that for them. It's well said there, there's, there's a, a dignity and a grace in being calm Mm -hmm. under pressure. Yes. I'm remembering a story. There is, he's passed away now. His name is Peter Gomes. He was a reverend at Harvard divinity church. Mm -hmm. And I liked to listen to him back in the day. I liked, they used to do Sunday sermons and I like to listen to it. And he was talking about in the sixties, there was like a president of Harvard and everybody would get so annoyed with him. And he was telling a story because all this turmoil, all this unrest and, and people would say to him, say to, say to Peter Gomes, like, what's his problem? Like he never sweats. Like he never, <laughs> <laughs> he never gets upset. Like nothing faced him. Like he didn't, it it wasn't that he didn't care, like you said, but Mm -hmm. 
And when people asked him, you know, what was it? It was his deep faith. First of all, his deep Mm -hmm. uh, Christian faith. And there, you you know, there's a, there's a calmness and a grace in there. Yes. It's also very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It's very attractive. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great way for us to kind of wrap this up. I, I, I love the idea of there's so many ways to, to look at slowing down Mm -hmm. and there's so many ways to look at, okay, like not getting upset. You know, you, there's that phrase, don't sweat the small stuff, but that never did it for me. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's not enough. (laughs) I need like, right. I need your ships come in over calm waters. Yes. And none of these things move me and none of these things move me. So we Mm -hmm. all have, we all have our way. So hopefully for the listeners here, you know, that's a good, this is a good way for them to kind of put some distance between uh, their reactions, their emotions and, and their families. (laughs) Yes. Because really as women, we do set the tone in our homes. Yes, we do. And I hate the idea of because of stress, you know, setting a negative tone in my home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to grow up in that. No, you know, so, and all the stuff that we're stressed about, is it worth it? If, you know, when you look back at your life, are you going to remember the little thing that the bottle of water that was spilled or the right? No. No. Yeah. And another thing I'm thinking of as we're talking is if you're going to, if you're going to get upset over small things, is it perhaps like an indication that you're small, you know, you're yes. Right. It's true because you're, you know, that's the thing. It's like when I get, when I get complaints from people with my work and they complain about like something really small, I immediately am thinking they're thinking so small, Mm. you know, like, uh, and it's not, I, I've done that before. So I'm not like judging them because I understand it's just a certain headspace and, and people need to get out of that small thinking and just think about the big picture and big things, lofty things. Um, and that's so important. I like that. This is going to, I'm going to be thinking I'm bigger than this when yeah. that comes up in me, mm-hmm. I'm going to retrain this, but it, it was also good to, to talk about that transition into, you know, being a wife, being a mother after being single for so long by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that that also kind of takes some of the, the weight of it off, you know, it's like a very mm-hmm. natural progression. Yes. So thanks for all that. Yeah, no, this is a good conversation for me too. Very cathartic. I like to have people on when we're, when, when both of us, like both me and the guests, which actually happens a lot. I have to say, I will have like realizations Mm because I, I feel like if we're having realizations, then so are the listeners. Oh yes. I hope so. You know, there's the saying about writing again, I'm forgetting who, who said it, but it's like, if you're, if you're bored, when you're writing it, people are going to be bored when they're reading it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're having, if you're having realizations while you're writing it, mm-hmm. that's, what's going to inspire other people. That's so true. Right. Yeah, you're just like, absolutely. You're writing a book to explore something you want to know more about is going to be mm-hmm. a more inspiring book than, oh, I know all this stuff here. Read it. Right. Yeah. I think that's why people are surprised when they read lessons from Madame Sheik. They think it's just going to be like me shaking like a school ruler at them or something, but they realize it's, uh, you know, what is the, I don't know. One of the reviews said it's, it's self-deprecating, which it is. It's like my fish out of water story, very uncomfortable learning along with you type situation. So love it. Well, Mm -hmm. Jennifer, thank you so much for giving me your time and, and kind of being 
so real and open. This was a very like raw conversation (laughs) about some of our not as pretty, uh, not so pretty moments, Mm -hmm. which we all have, of course, what is on uh, the docket for you next? Are you more books or? I am working on a new book that um, you will love. And when, when I'm ready, I'll send it to you. Oh, I would, oh great. Thank you. I would it's love to be ready probably for a while, but I am working on a new book right now. <laughs> well, you've, you've written a lot of them. So you, yeah. you're clearly, uh, clearly a workhorse. I mean, you're putting out, you're putting out a lot there. Yeah. I love writing. That's my first passion. So yes, me too. We have that in common among other yeah. things. Well, thank you so much for being here. Maybe you can come back on when you're, when the next, I would love published. that. Okay. Thank you great. so much. Okay, my friends, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I hope you really enjoyed the conversation. I sure know that I did. I have been incorporating everything that Jennifer and I spoke about into my life every day, and I'm really committed to transforming the way I react to stressors and overwhelm in my life, and I'm really dedicating myself to being bigger than all of it because... I have lots of goals on my mind, folks, and I know that you do too, and so we need to take it to the next level. Don't forget, you can follow me over on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. Go ahead and introduce yourself if you haven't already. I truly love to hear from all of you. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power.